Hello everybody, welcome to the Hillfields Church podcast. What does it mean to be present? And what does it mean when a man is present? So on the 24th of September 2022, we had our first men's conference and then Pastor Rich shared a word about when men are present. So please check it out. So just a little bit about us as a church. We're, we're just uh, we're a small church in the middle of nowhere. I'm sure you're trying to find us this morning driving here. Um, we have no attitude or mindset agenda that we think we've got it together or that we're better than anyone else. We're just really blessed by what God is doing. And just like you saw in that video at the beginning, it's come from just God building and building and building. And it just got to the point where like, we want to do something for our men. And we wanted to open that up for other churches and other um, Christians to come along to. And that's how we've got here. So we hope that you're just really blessed by today. There's no agenda here. There's no expectations. There's no, there's nobody who's going to be trying to sign you up to join the church at the end or anything like that. We genuinely, seriously just want men to be gathering, worshiping God and getting around the word together and sharpening one another up. And I hope that is what uh, you'll get from today. Cool. All right. I've got a sermon title um, uh, called When Men Are Present. Um, I want to just show you some statistics about what happens when men are not present and just share a few things about uh, kind of how how society can look as broken as it is and and actually how that has a lot to do with men and and actually how the word of God talks about um, why men are important and why we're important and there's going to be um, Sukesh is going to be talking a lot more about that in one of the seminars later if you're in his um, but showing up as a man is one of the biggest issues in our society today. It's a huge issue in the church. It's a huge issue in society. And when men are not showing up, it has an impact. It has an effect. It's just facts. It's, I'm going to read some statistics. It's just facts. It's, 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 I'm sorry if you're a man. This is <laughs> this just facts. Okay, so don't, be, don't get angry with me. But what I want to say to you, those that are here right now, is thank you for turning up. Thank you for showing up. You see, for men to show up is actually quite a rarity, particularly in this nation now. For Christian men to show up is quite rare too. So to see men wanting to get together and just worship God. We just had an incredible time of worship. I was at the back because I was by the speaker and it was a bit loud. So I went to the back and I just thought, God, this is just a miracle. This is incredible. And, and it's not because the room's filled with men or it's not because we've got a mega stadium or anything filled. It's just men worshiping God together and that is just a miracle to me an incredible miracle um, not that long ago our church a few years ago it was like a handful of men literally a handful of men in the church and to see what God has built and what God has been doing it's a miracle to see other men coming from Trowbridge and Chippenham to say I want to just get somewhere where other men are worshiping God that that just makes me feel like there's hope that there's a chance that actually men are wanting to fight again for God's church. So some statistics. Okay, so according to data collected by Promise Keepers and the Baptist Press, if a father does not go to church, even if his wife does, only one child in 50 will become a regular worshiper. 
If a father does go regularly, regardless of where, what the mother does, between two-thirds or three-quarters of the children will attend as adults. If a father attends church irregularly, between half and two-thirds of the children will attend church, and some with regularity as adults. If a mother does not go to church, but a father does, a minimum of two-thirds of their children will end up attending church. In contrast, if a father does not go to church, but the mother does, on average, two-thirds of the children will not attend church. Another study focused on uh, Sunday school, I think, so I think this is statistics, like if you grew up in church. So saying that when both parents have attended um, like Sunday school as they've grown up in the church, um, it's likely that their children, 72% of the children, will go to church themselves as they grow up. Um, when only a father attends Sunday school, 55% of their children. When only a mother, 15. When neither parent grows up in the church, about 6% of the children will grow up to go to church. Another survey found that if a child, you might have heard this before, um, if a child is the first person in the household to become a Christian, there's about a 3.5% probability everyone else in the household will follow. If the mother is, is the first to become a Christian, there is 17% probability everyone else in the household will follow. However, when the father is first, there's 93% probability everyone else in the household will follow. You matter. Men matter. It really, and there's a, a reason for it. And sadly, we don't know that sometimes. We're not aware of that. Some statistics, I think these are from America, um, even though I got it off a UK website. Um, but basically, 63% of youths committing suicide come from fatherless homes. 90% of all homeless and runaway children come from fatherless homes. 85% of all children who show behavior disorders come from fatherless homes, 20 times the average. 80% of rapists um, with anger problems come from fatherless homes, 14 times the average. 71% of all high, high school um, dropouts come from fatherless homes. And 5% of all adolescent patients in chemical abuse centers come from fatherless homes. Um, statistic, it says that um, 24 million children in the US, US live absent from having a biological father. Turning up matters. Being present matters. Men matters. Not just biblically, not just spiritually, but actually statistically speaking, men matter. And when men are absent, it has an impact. It impacts stuff. And I remember when we've had our very first men gathering um, downstairs in that room, I remember giving um, these statistics out, but actually just having this belief. Now, I don't know, these guys from different churches here, okay? Why don't you start to just believe, you maybe already do, that we can change it a little bit? You know, that actually, if we start training up men and our children that are growing up to be the, the men of God that they should be, to be the present, to actually be the example too, to them as, as children are coming through the church, that actually we can start to see that shift because at the moment it's just going the other way. And, um, and whilst we can't change the whole world, we can change the little world that we're in, can't we? And if we start just now, like if we just started now, suddenly maybe, just maybe, we'll start to see like whole families and communities because they start to see the example set. They start to, we start to see um, men raising up boys to be men according to the word of God. And suddenly, 
things start to shift. Things start to change. And, and at the moment, what we're seeing is I'm from a broken home. And praise God Jesus came into my life because I would be a statistic right now. Jesus can deal with our statistics. He can change us from being something and turn us into something completely different. Amen? So for me, I'm thankful that God came into my life. But I'm from a broken home. I understand what it's like. I understand what it's like to have an absent father. I know what it's like to have absent parents growing up. So to, to, and how that impacts you and how that can have a detriment on your life. And if I hadn't had Jesus come into my life at the right moment, I don't know what statistic I would be on this, but I would be one of them. We have the chance to shift things and to change things. And I, I like to think that the fact that you guys are here, present, shows that you are guys that get it. We need to turn up. We need to show up. I don't even know what this church is. This is crazy. But it says men's conference, and I want to worship, so I'm going. Yeah, you want to turn up. You don't know. Maybe you're going to go after this and think, I'm so glad I'm getting out of it right now. But the reality of it is, is that there's still something in you that says, I'm going to show up. And if that's in us to show up, then we can pass that on. Now, this isn't a weight that we should carry. It's not a weight that we've got to change the world. Jesus has done that, yeah? So we just need to introduce people to Jesus. That's our job, okay? So we're not here to carry weight. Oh, my gosh, have you seen the statistics? Rich read, Rich read out these statistics, and they're nuts. Oh, man, I feel like a weight upon me. That's not our job. Our job is just to do the bit that we're meant to do. So if you're a father, do your job. If you're, if you're a husband, do your job. If you're a, a, a son, do your job. Just honor God through what the Word of God says. Focus on what you need to do. And if the man next to you is doing the same thing, and the man next to that person is doing the same thing, maybe things just start shifting. And if you've got men in your church, just encourage them to just focus on what they need to do according to the Word of God. And if you suddenly start getting everyone doing that, it's suddenly you start getting seeing whole families get saved. Uh, that statistic, you know, seeing, understand that if a man comes into the kingdom, that actually the chances the whole household could be saved is, is huge then we need to reach men. We need to reach men. And I don't mean just, I mean men that are actually in their homes. They're happy with their jobs. They're driving their car. They're doing, those are the men that we need to reach. The men that are actually satisfied with what they think life is. And say, you don't understand it. If you can come into the kingdom, so many churches are full of um, amazing women who are bringing their children, but their, their husband is absent. But if we can change it, if we can see a change, and we know it. I, do we, we don't even need to know these statistics to know that if you have been part of a church for a while, you will know that actually um, children, if they're coming with their mum, often don't continue. I've seen it so many times. But when you see a whole family turning up together, it works. There's something that drives that together. And there's a point that when that is actually functioning the way it is, sometimes the kids are waking, knocking on your door saying, let's get to church. Because that's how it works. I'm a father. I have two teenagers. Uh, pray for me. Um, one of them's here. He's over there. Um, I'm really proud of my children and, and who they're grown up to be. Um, my son, who's here, he's over there today. I'm going to embarrass him. Um, he's here to help uh, today and eat some of the food. Um, do you know he's an incredible boy? Do you know... Um, he has never given me any drama. He is 16 years old this year, okay? And in 16 years, other than when he pulled a kitchen cabinet on top of his head, um, apart from that, he has never, ever given me drama. 
Do you know, he's been a kid that's just got on with life. He's been happy and he's just gone to school and he's done his best and there's no drama around him. As fathers, we worry. Is that right? It's okay to say that. I know it says in the Bible, do not worry. I'm going to look at that scripture in a minute. But I'm just, it's okay. We worry, do we not? And, I, and, and there's some older guys here that have got children that have grown up. You never stop worrying, Sukesh. Do you ever stop worrying? Great. Thanks for that information. Right. So you're never going to stop worrying. You're always be like, are they okay? Are they eating well? Who are they going to marry? Like all these things I'm worried, you know, you think about. It doesn't matter whether they're straight A students or whether they're struggling in something. It's not about that. We as parents are just going to worry. So as men, as fathers, we will worry. Will he grow up to be a man of God? That's my biggest fear. Like, is he going to stick with Jesus? Because I know if he sticks with Jesus, you know, all the other stuff that I might worry about, he's already got Jesus. He's already got the answer. This is my biggest fear. Who's he going to marry? <laughs> Sorry. <yeah. laughs> um, I worry, will he try and please people more than do what he should? Will he try to do what people are telling him to do or will he go for it with the things he thinks that he should do? Will he follow God's path for him? We worry. Now, I want to just teach you something, and I hope that this maybe changes your life, because it changed mine. Now, we just sang the song, the first, the last. I'm not trying to knock that song. It's brilliant, because actually the words say the first, the last, and everything in between, so this is going to work. So, okay, you can still keep your song. Okay, but... Um, I'm going to say something really controversial, but before you throw stuff at me or run out the door, can you let me just let me finish saying it and then you can do that. Okay, so don't put God first. Okay, don't put God first. Now, when I was growing up as a Christian, I got given this list. You know, has anyone heard of the list? And the list is God first, family second, sometimes work third. Church fourth, depending on who's telling you it. Health, maybe fifth. Ministry is somewhere down the bottom. Church ministry, you know. Leisure, seventh. It's kind of like that kind of list, yeah? Just, has anyone heard of this list? This list has gone around, yeah? So God first, family second. This is how you do it, okay? Now, when I, got, when I became a Christian and I got married and then I had kids, this messed my head up. Because crazily enough, I have a relationship with Jesus, right? And as when I have a relationship with Jesus, I, I have a duty to my wife, of course, according to the Bible. I have a duty to my children, yes, according to the Bible. But also, I'm going to have a duty to follow what God is asking me to do. And none of that should conflict. But I couldn't get it in my head. I was like, if God is number one. So what I saw, is anyone grew up watching Top of the Pops? Yeah? It's okay. So show your age. It's fine. Okay. So it's all right. <laughs> So Top of the Pops was like a charts, charts show, and it, um, every week they would put the top 10 music out, and it'd be like in at number two, or new in at number one, all that kind of stuff. And it moves up and down, and you'd see it all moving up and down. Um, they still do it, but it's all online nowadays. But the reality of it is, is that I saw it like a chart show, and I couldn't get my head around it, because I was like, okay, God's first, okay? And usually that statement sounds amazing. Yeah, God first. This is easy to understand. But what happens when I'm, I don't know, bowling with my mates from work? Is God there? Because I'm bowling, I'm leisure now, which is actually number seven on my list. And, and then so then I would spend time with my family. Okay, now if my family, that was number two, where do I put God? He's number two, number one. Have my family gone to number one now? And where does God end up? 
And then when you start doing ministry, which according to this list that people tell you is like the fifth one and God is number one, I'm like, well, I need God for my ministry, but he's not all the way over there. And now what do I do? And it just tangled me up. And then I heard a message about 10 years ago and it changed my life because what it did is it took the idea of this chart show and it said, don't put God first, put him central, first, last, and everything in between. Put him central. And once you start putting that central, so I'm hoping as a man, if you're fretting with this idea, how do I, how do I take care of my kid and my, and my wife? Oh no, and, I got, and Lord has given me some kind of ministry and, and then you're running around and I've got to get the shopping and, and my, is shopping including God? What do I do with that? I don't know. Like, do you have to pray every aisle? You know, like, what do you do? Like, oh, Lord, are these the beans? Oh, Lord, I pray for these beans. Like, what do we do with all that stuff? So suddenly you're, like, over-spiritualizing stuff. And you're like, do I take God there? If we understand that God is just central to our lives, he's everywhere. And he's with you when you're with your family or when you're bowling with your mates or whether you're in the supermarket or you're preaching on the streets or you're running a, a men's seminar or whatever. He is with you. He is central. And once I understood this... It changed my life because before I was like, I just, I'm ill. I'm getting ill with this because I know that God's speaking to me to do something. And I know that God's not going to ask me to do something that's going to conflict with the other things. Of course he's not. God's not going to tell you to take care of a, uh, your wife and your children and then tell you to do something that's going to conflict that. So, Lord, if you're telling me these things and it seems like it's all you, why is it not working? Oh, because I'm not actually involving you in any of it. I'm just choosing you when I need you. Oh, I need God time. I need, he's number one. I need to go and spend time with God. And yes, we do have time where we go into the closet and we spend time with God. But do you understand God is with you all the time? When you're in the car, you can chat to him. You can worship. When you're making decisions at work, business decisions. Yeah, when you're making business decisions, you can say, oh, Lord, is that the right decision? He can be with you in all these things. So when you start to put God central, it just shifts things and it changes things. And I don't know if anyone needed to hear that today. But if, it did, if, it, if you did, I pray that it would encourage you. I started doing this 10 years ago. 10 years ago, my marriage was a mess because I was trying to live this way of life. And once I start realizing, God's not even really where he's even meant to be in my life. He needs to come central. And as soon as he was central, balance came. Because when God's in control, he knows the balance you need. He knows what you need. He knows how it needs to work. He knows when you need to put that argument right with your wife because the Holy Spirit says you need to do that. You're like, I'm not doing it. She said she started it. And you're like, Holy Spirit, sorry, okay. And you're like, okay, I will do it. Because you have a relationship with God. But when you haven't got God central, you can be stubborn for weeks. I mean, I was, I was well record at doing it, I'm pretty sure. I'm like, okay, let's see who blinks first. There's no Jesus in there. Do you I mean? I'm not treating my wife the way she should be. I'm not, I'm not honoring her. I'm not even able to admit my fault in it. Because I'm not putting God central. And I'm not put, definitely not putting God first. Because I'm like, I know if I go and put God first, he'll do deal with that. So I can put him there because it's a chart show and he's number five at the moment. But when he's central, God deals with so much stuff quicker, doesn't he? Doesn't he deal with the arguments quicker? Doesn't he deal with the, the mess quicker? Doesn't When you're unsure about certain things that are happening, you're like, oh, God's just popped that, the answer there. So Matthew 6, verse 25. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. What you eat, what you drink, nor about your body. What you put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Isn't this the stuff we worry about as men? 
Isn't this the thing that we like? We've got to get a job. We've got to feed our families. We've got to put a roof over it. This is the stuff that we worry about. And yet God says, if you give it to me, I'll, I'll do it for you. I'll, I'll, yeah, you're going to have a job, but I'll take care of it. I will deal with it. I'm going to be the one that provides for your family. Oh, no, I'm the father. I'm the one that's got to do it. Well, I'm the father, yeah? And I'm saying, I got it in hand. Trust me. Let me lead you. Let me guide you. I'll open up the job you need. How many people here needed a job and then the door opened and it was just like, how did that happen? God knows what you need, doesn't he? Doesn't he know what you need? He's not saying you're not going to work. So sorry about that. But what he's saying is, actually, I will do it for you. I will open up doors. You trust me with life. I've got the best plan for you. Trust me with it. So when he's saying, don't worry about these things, isn't, isn't, isn't uh, all this stuff, it's not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Maybe as men, we don't know that we're as valued. Maybe there's an issue there. Maybe that as men, Christian men, I mean. I mean, men in society most definitely. But maybe as Christian men, we're often the ones thinking we've got to prop everything up and keep it all going. That we never actually stop to realize that God values us so much. Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? Anyone worried and it turned out well? No. <laughs> you end up worrying and then you go, I feel worse. Yeah? This is what God says. It doesn't work. It doesn't work out well. We worry, we worry, we get more ill. I remember when I got ill really badly through worry. Learning to trust God is better for your health. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. How they grow, they neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? We're in a financial crisis. We're, um, there's wars, rumors of wars. There's all sorts of things going on. Jesus did speak about this kind of stuff, I guess. But... Well, what are we trusting? What are we looking at? The news to feed us the worry and the fear or the father to trust in, to know it doesn't really matter. He knew this was going to happen and he still promises that he'll take care of me. Therefore, do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. Verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now, I get it. At first, it says seek first and I've just said central. Okay, but I'm going to just help you out. Okay, so the Greek um, for kingdom is a word called basileia. And it means authority, rule, and power. It actually means to give the rights, give the authority um, to something, over to something. So when it says seek first the kingdom, it's not talking about a realm. It's very clear when it's explained in this passage. It's actually talking about handing over. It's talking about authority. So when you seek first the kingdom of God, it's a choice to hand over your control. As a man, that is inbuilt in you from when you grew up. 
It's putting you through school. It's putting you through society and putting you through, um, through, um, through the news and media. And through that, through that kind of process, we have built up an idea of what a man, we're meant to kind of like what people are telling us to be as a man. And it's a warped version of what God actually says. We're not meant to carry everything as men. We have a responsibility, but we're not the pillars that have to prop the church up. God said, I will build it. Yeah, he will build the church. So we don't need to be doing things we shouldn't be doing. We just need to focus on the things that we should be doing. If we can learn how to be a good husband, if we can learn how to be a good father, if we can learn how to be a good brother to the sisters and the brothers in your church and your neighbors, if you can learn how to do the basics of the walk with your relationship with Jesus, then suddenly you are being the man that God wants you to be in the church and, sudden, and you're not doing that much. You're not running around, not trying to lift everything up, it's not carrying away. And we're not stressing, we're not getting more ill than we need to. We are, we are in the place with God because we have a relationship with God and he is the one leading us. Therefore, when we use this passage to put God first, but don't actually do what the text says, we're actually downplaying the role of God. So when we say, when we say um, to, to seek first the kingdom of God or to put God first is actually wrong. To f- put God first is actually wrong. Because actually to put God just on top of something every now and then when you choose is to remove him from everything else. Put God in everything. Take God in everything. On your, when you're doing your uh, visits at the school, take God with you. When you're in a job interview, take God with you. When you're in the supermarket, take God with you. So seek first the kingdom of God. And then it says this, and his righteousness. There is a role for us as men. Because it says, give him the authority, but to seek his righteousness. We have a responsibility to do the best that we can to reflect the life that God wants us to live and lead as men. That doesn't mean we're perfect. doesn't mean we're going to get everything right. But the more we lean on God and the more we trust in God, the more we seek his righteousness. Now, that word righteousness, it means integrity, virtue, purity of life, life, rightness, correctness of thinking, feeling, and acting. When we align ourselves with God, when we put our lives in his hands, and we seek after his righteousness. These are just products of hanging out with Jesus. I believe for some men here today, it is time to hand authority to God. That he would rule over every part of your life. Maybe for too long you've been doing the chart show and you've been running around like a headless chicken. And it's been messing everything up. I don't get it. I don't understand. Why is it not working? But God is saying, the problem is, is you're trying to control too much and you don't need to. Give it to the Father. Hand it over. Do not worry about it. I've got you. Trust me. And maybe for all of us, that we have a responsibility to know that we matter. And 
when we think otherwise, society and the way society is, the way the world is, is winning. Satan's winning. Satan has removed men from the place that they should be and is crumbling because of it. And this isn't a detriment to women. We love our women. Our women are incredible. Our women have been doing an incredible job of, of, of having to kind of do things that maybe they're not meant to be doing because there's, men have been absent. But the enemy has got that into us. The enemy has got that into society. The, the enemy has twisted it. Society has twisted it. It's so twisted now. To be a man is almost, you know, frowned on. It's almost, oh, no, 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 there's other things now. Like, no, there is a reason why I need to be a man. There's a reason why I need to be a man in my house. There's a reason why I need to be a man in my church. There's a reason for it because God put it there. We have to be the example not of carrying weights that we shouldn't carry. So our kids grow up going, man, my dad was just stressed. Or the men in my church were just stressed. Carrying stuff. I don't know if I want to be that kind of man. That we should be examples. This is another thing. I'm really bad at this. Any men like to fix things. Yeah? Like even your wife. Yeah? And kids and other things. Yeah? Fixing problems. I've learned this, as, I, I don't even know if I need to, whatever. I learned this thing, right? So sometimes when your wife is talking to you, she's not asking you to fix the problem that she's telling you about or complaining about, okay? She just wants to tell you. I've learned that. But I want to fix it. Do you know that? So I'm like, I can tell you all the answers. Like, I don't need to know the answer. I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you how I feel right now. Has anyone had that conversation with, yeah? I've had to learn that the hard way, yeah? Because I was like, oh no, I can fix it for you. I could sort it out. What have you thought about this? We could pray here. This is what the Bible says. I don't want to hear it. I don't care. I just, I just want to tell you. Yeah? I just want to tell you. As men, we want to fix things. We want to fix things. We want to fix things. And actually, it is part of our character for some reason. But it's God's job to do the fixing. And actually, if we know the word, we know the gospel, Jesus has already fixed everything. So, so the truth is, we just need to let God be in control and we need to hand over the authority to God and let him be the ones that lead us. And we get to cheat them. Do you know that? Because your household will look different. Your church will look different. Your society will look different. And people are like, man, look at him. And you've cheated because all you did is give it to God and it looks so much better when you do. And everyone's like, oh, how are you doing it? How is this happening? I actually just handed it over to the Father because he said, don't worry about it. And he meant it. Maybe we've forgotten the promises of God. Maybe we've forgotten Matthew 6 where he's saying, don't worry about it. God's in control. God knows you better than you know yourself. He knows what's best for your kids better than you do, what's better for your wife better than you do. He knows what's better for the society you're in, the church you're in. He knows best. So why don't we just start aligning with him and getting on board with him and getting him central to everything? We have a responsibility to change the way society and church is. For so long, men have been absent from the church that women have had to step into responsibilities they don't even want. That's what we found out here. They didn't even want it. They've been praying for the men to come in so they can not have to do some of the things that they're doing. But I'm not knocking them for doing it. 
the church is still alive because women have been turning up and being faithful and keeping it going. And what I found, maybe it's not in every church, but the women in this church here, they, um, they are praising the men. They are encouraged by the men. They are praying for us today. They are excited about what is going on here. They're not threatened. They're saying, finally, it's about time. <laughs> Brokenness is now normal, and men feeling like they have no worth is becoming more and more accepted. And that's not okay. One of the things that we said in our very first meeting was the picture in society is Homer Simpson. And Homer Simpson is just an idiot. But that's how men are now portrayed. He's just this guy. He doesn't know what he's doing and the woman's doing everything and he hasn't got a clue. And that's kind of like, that's what we're seen as. And that's not who we are. It's not who we are. It's just, it's just what people talk, speak over you and say over you. And maybe we believe it because they said it long enough, but it's not who you are. I just want to say thank you again for showing up, for being here. I pray that as you go back to your churches, your families, your wives, that after today you would know your value and that you would know that how important you are. It's time we change things, that men would be present and that churches and society would grow in strength because men are doing what they were born to do which is to turn up, just turn up. And if we can just show up, do you know how powerful that is? If you're a father and you just go to church, it means that your son or your daughter isn't going to be able to be like, well, dad didn't go, so I'm not going to go. It matters. And it's not even that you don't even want to go. So the reality of it is it matters that we show up. It matters that we're present. It matters that we're there. The statistics prove it. When we're absent, society falls. When we're absent, the church falls. So I hope today, I hope this message, but I also hope for the rest of the day that you guys will feel uplifted, that you would start to know your value, that you would start to know how precious you are. I know the word precious and men, it sounds a bit girly, but you are so precious. You are so precious to God. And you're so valued, so important. Some people are here from churches, same churches. The brothers on your left and your right, they matter. They matter. We need one another. We need each other. And it's time to fight back. It's time to start taking back which the enemy has stolen. And it's time for men to rise up. And it's time for us to start being present. And start getting into that place with the Father where we're trusting him. We hand over authority and we let him have our lives. And then watch what God's about to do next. It's so simple. Give it to God and watch what he'll do with it.